Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Texas fans, this is the Longhorn Confidential for Monday, May 18th. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Mike Craven, my Zoom partner in crime. Mike, say hello to the people. How's it going, everybody? All right, it's been about... Three weeks since we recorded our last uh, Zoom podcast, and a lot of stuff has happened. Um, as we said, this is being recorded on a Monday, so normally recorded on Wednesday, but we just knew we had to get this uh, information out because there's a bunch of new Longhorns. Um, since the beginning of May, four 2021 commits have committed to the Longhorns. Um, Mike, we're just going to start off there. Are you surprised that Texas has had this many commits? I mean, this is obviously very odd times. These kids are not able to um, come on, you know, official visits and come visit the campus before they make the decision. Although some have probably already, you know, stopped by Texas a time or two um, through various events. Were, were you surprised that there's been this many commitments to Texas this month? Uh, yes and no. You know, I, I think early in March, especially February and then through March when most of this COVID stuff started, you know, restricting travel, I think there was a wait-and-see approach, and so you didn't see a lot of commitments in March because people were hopeful that, you know, by April, May, June, they'd be able to go on their regular scheduled visits, everything would go back to normal, and and blah, blah, blah. Uh, As we've moved forward with this, it's looking more and more like, you know, those campus visits visits aren't going to happen at least until the fall, maybe even the winter. So I think every coaching staff around the nation – probably went to those players that they knew were leaning their way. You know, every coaching staff knows kind of some guys that probably are already silently committed um, compared to the ones who were still looking around. I, I think Texas was like, hey, we haven't had a, uh, you know, a commit since 2019. We need to get this ball rolling. We need to build some momentum in the recruiting thing, get this stuff uh, fixed. So if you are willing to commit, if you are leaning this way, let's go ahead and get you to jump on board and start, start building some momentum. Um, to go ahead and keep up with everybody else in the Big 12. All right, let's meet these uh, new Longhorn commits. First up, Jordan Thomas, Port Arthur Memorial, defensive end, 6'3", 240, four-star kid, committed on May the 2nd. Texas beat A&M for his commitment. What kind of player did they beat the Aggies for? Yeah, I think out of the four guys who have been added to the 2021 class, Jordan Thomas is the best, at least the best prospect. Uh, defensive end could grow into a defensive tackle. He didn't play as a junior because of a, a leg injury. He missed the season, uh, but he's rocked up. Like I, I saw him at a fast seven on seven thing, just like doing workouts and stuff. Cause he's a big defensive lineman doesn't play seven on seven, but he was kind of doing drills and stuff. And there's just no bad weight, just a big, huge kid who could easily get to two sixty two seventy. So moving to a four man front, under Chris Ash, the new defensive coordinator, I think he's one of those players um, that can play defensive tackle, can play defensive end, and can really be a good player for Texas. Now, since he did have that injury, and you know, granted, he still has a senior year of high school to play, is he an instant impact guy, or is he someone that may be a project since he did have that injury as a junior, and Texas ha- does have some young depth on their defensive line where he may not have to play immediately? Yeah, I mean, they, they don't want – you know, at this point of Tom Herman's tenure, unless you're special, you know, especially at the skill position or something, uh, 
you know, they, they hope that they can redshirt you or at least only let you play at spot duty. You know, Devontae Sweat last year didn't redshirt, but, you know, he didn't, he didn't ask – he wasn't asked to play starter snaps. And so they're going to do the same with all these new guys, you know, to kind of work them in, at least let them play some four games and, and get snaps. And then it just comes down to, you know, is this person too good to not have on the field? And if he is, he won't redshirt. And if he's not, I think he'll, you know, get those four games and then be able to save this year. I, I really do love the four-game uh, redshirt rule. I think that's really helped a lot of these young guys get their feet wet without having to, to use a whole year just to be a backup. All right, next up, we're going to go to Arlington Martin, where they have a linebacker by the name of Maurice Blackwell committed to the Longhorns on May 10th, 6'4", 196 pounds, a three-star recruit. Mike, what do the Longhorn fan, fans need to know about Maurice? Yeah, I think this is one of those first signs of, of really seeing what the linebacker position is moving towards in the state and even at the college level. You know, you look at his measurables and you think safety, uh, but he's going to be a linebacker. They're going to get him up to 205, 210, and they're going to want him to be kind of a DeMarvion overshone uh, type linebacker in this system where he can cover, he can get sideline to sideline. And the thing about Maurice that really stands out on film, I haven't seen him in person. I hope to do that uh, this year if football returns as normal. The thing about Maurice is, I mean, he's just a tackling machine. You look at the production, 112 tackles as a junior, or 120 as, as a sophomore. And so he, he's just somebody who's constantly around the ball and has the, the ability and speed to, to cover. And you need that in the Big 12 with linebackers because we're, we're past the days of the Steve Edmond guys, the 6'4", 250-pound middle linebackers. He's kind of more of the hybrid, new-age, modern linebacker that can really run. How important is – addressing the linebacker position in this 2021 class for Chris Ash, uh, Coleman, uh, Hutzler, the new linebacker coach? Yeah, I think linebacker is the you know biggest glaring weak spot. If you look at the Texas roster right now, and it is probably the most important position on the defense to recruit in terms of trying to catch up with the talent that's in the defensive secondary and what they've signed with the defensive line. But what's tough is the state and this, the country in general just doesn't produce linebackers in the way it does other positions. And so, you know, you're picking through 10 guys instead of 50 guys. And so it's just harder. And, you know, Clayton Smith committing to Oklahoma makes that even more difficult. He was a big target uh, for linebacker for Texas. And so it's about finding some guys that, you know, maybe aren't four-star or five-star guys at linebacker um, and then turning them into those types of players because you just – you just really don't find those type of linebackers very often anymore because they either play safety or they either play defensive end. All right, let's go from defense to offense. We got a running back commit to talk about, Jonathan Brooks out of Hallettsville, committed on the 15th last Friday, a six foot, 185, three star kid on a 247's composite rankings. First off, Mike, how many running backs does Texas need to take in this 2021 class? I know we've some other names at that position, but how many would Texas like to get? Texas wants two. You know, the plan on paper for the Longhorns is to, to get Jonathan Brooks. They've always felt uh, really good about him, so that, that happened. And then they want to add one of either L.J. Johnson or Kamar Wheaton. I th- I, those are the two best running backs in the state. I think everybody knows they're not going to go to the same school, and so it's just about landing one of those. You know, I think Oklahoma probably gets one. Texas hopes to get the other. 
And if you compare, let's say, L.J. Johnson with Jonathan Brooks or Kamar Wheaton with Jonathan Brooks, you've really done a good job in the, in the running back group of 2021. Because remember, Texas is kind of stacked at running back all of a sudden on campus. But Keontae Ingram's probably gone after this year if he's, he has a good year. Uh, Bajon Robinson's probably a three-year player if he ends up being, you know, what the coaches think he is. And so they really have to find some depth there running back long term. How good is Jonathan Brooks? Um, you know, he plays at the three level, which, you know, if you're a good player, a good player that Texas wants playing at that level, chances are you're not seeing the best competition in the world. So your stats and your video may be a little skewed because you're just better than everyone on the field. Um, is it hard to gauge a guy like him since he's playing at a lower level? Just how good can, can a kid like he be? Yeah, it's hard to gauge a kid like that because of where he's playing. And it's also, you know, not even just the 3A stuff. It's playing kind of in Hallettsville, right? That's not near Houston. It's not near Dallas. It's just kind of in its own little area. And so I don't think a lot of college coaches get down that way. And then when you take away the camps that were supposed to happen that didn't happen because, you know, of COVID, he just hasn't been seen by a lot of, a lot of teams. I think his next biggest offer was Texas Tech. So that's just a guy that Stan Drayton has been able to know. I think the Jordan Whittington being from Guero, which is around there, probably helped the Longhorns get to know this kid, Jonathan Brooks. And so, you know, it just you look at his offer list and that Texas one really stands out compared to the rest. And this is just an example of Stan Drayton trusting, you know, his eyes more than, you know, recruiting services eyes, which he should, and uh, just go after a player that he thinks has a really high upside that, frankly – a lot of us in the recruiting service just haven't seen. So, you know, when you see that three-star label, you have to remember that's an inexact science and that, you know, there's not many people going down to Hallettsville to break down Jonathan Brooks. If you were paying attention on Friday, you saw Jonathan commit and in the same 10-minute span, Texas picked up another commitment. It was just like commitments all over the place on a Friday afternoon. The second one was from Warren Easton, wide receiver Casey Kane. 6'2", 175, three-star. Name may not pop out to a lot of Texas high school football fans because Casey's from New Orleans. And uh, first out-of-state commitment for the you know, I know, uh, I know you derelicts on the high school recruiting beat are really excited about a trip to New Orleans to go uh, you know, scout Casey and watch him play. But what do Texas fans need to know about him? Yeah, not everybody got to go to the Sugar Bowl a couple years ago for a week, you know. So, uh, you know, one trip to New Orleans would be pretty solid. But, yeah, um, you know, I mean, to speak frankly here, none of us have seen Casey Kane play in real life, right? There's nobody on the Texas beat who's doing recruiting who has actually seen him play in person. But on tape, you can tell why the Longhorn staff really likes him. He's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. He's not the biggest. Uh, but he really understands how to run routes already. He knows how to use his body. He really does a good job of stacking wide receivers. Texas isn't really high on a lot of the wide receivers within the state, and the ones that um, they are high on are going elsewhere. You know, Quay Davis committed to USC. JoJo Earl uh, committed to LSU. Um, Cody Jackson committed to Oklahoma. So the Longhorns for wide receiver needed to go out of state, needed to find some new talent, and it seems like, you know, they got this kid straight off a virtual tour. This is the craziest part about this COVID stuff when it comes to recruiting to me is he's never been on campus. Casey, Casey Kane's never been to Austin one time. He went on a virtual tour and that's what got him to commit. So it's just going to be interesting to see one, 
how many guys commit to campuses they've never been to? And two, is this going to be one of those years where there's a lot of decommitments because people are making decisions based on information that maybe in the fall or in the winter they'll be able to get more about? Now, is Casey Kane, is he a – is this what Texas fans should expect a Mike Yersich, Andre Coleman receiver to look like? Or is that the jury just out because those guys haven't been at Texas long enough and maybe some of those top – recruits that they were eyeing decided to go elsewhere because they're not really sure what's going on in Texas? Or is this, is Casey Kane, what receivers like Casey Kane, what Texas fans should expect? Yeah, I think that's what Texas fans should expect for outside receivers. You know, I, I, I do think Texas is going to be really slot heavy. They always have been under Tom Herman. I don't think that changes even with the new offensive coordinator. So they're going to go after smaller, quicker receivers as well. But if you're going uh, for the outside receivers, for the, the Brennan Eagles position, Marcus Washington, you know, those kind of guys. I think you're going to see players like this, kind of long, you know, maybe not speed burners, maybe not the greatest, you know, athletes in the world, but dudes that really know how to play the game, that really know how to block and do those small things. Um, and then, like you said, some of it's just they're not here long enough to have, have the relationship with some of those big-time talents that maybe other programs have been able to since they were freshmen or sophomores. Before we get out of here, let's kind of recap a couple of big stories that happened last uh, podcast. First, a Texas-related one, um, Jade Barron, the cor- 2020 cornerback from Pflugerville Connolly, who was released from Baylor, um, you know, letter of intent. We talked in the last, last podcast about, broke up poss- on about Texas being a possibility for him. Um, he, he's a Longhorn now. What, what does he add immediately to this uh, Texas team? Uh, he's a really good cornerback in, in a class with 2021 that, you know, isn't that stacked at cornerback. It was a godsend for Texas. They were going to need two or three guys at that position this, this recruiting cycle. Uh, getting him late like that adds a player to that 2020 class and, and takes away a little bit of the pressure to sign a bunch of guys at that position in this class. Really good player, local kid, always grew up a Longhorn fan. He wanted that Texas offer under the old staff. When he, you know, uh, appeared to, to get away from Baylor and not want to be a part of that coaching change, I think the new staff recognized, hey, we can, we can add a cornerback right here that already loves the Longhorns and, and wants to be a part of this. He's a long kid, six foot, six one, can really cover. He's going to need to add some weight, but he was the third best player committed to Baylor, so that's a big switch. You know, if this happened during the live recruiting period, it would have gotten all sorts of headlines and everything Texas takes one of Baylor's top rated recruits so you know I I think it's huge for Texas not only because he's a good player but because he's local and he's at a position where they really need talent in a couple years because Jalen Green Anthony Cook uh, Deshaun Jameson those guys are going to be gone in here in a year or two and then finally probably the biggest recruiting (coughs) month maybe even this year was uh Zach Evans, the story of Zach Evans, a talented running back out of the Houston area who, you know, signed with Georgia, was released with that, released from his uh, letter because of some off the field issue, nothing criminal, but some maturity issues um, for sure. He's going to end up at TCU. Um, probably the best recruit TCU has signed in a very, very long time. Um, what was kind of your reaction when that news broke? And, what does he do to a Horn Frog team that got a lot better when he decided to take his talents to Fort Worth? 
Yeah, what's amazing about that, TCU really needed a running back. You know, they lost pretty much all of their running back production from last year to either the NFL or the graduation. So, you know, they were a team in position to take this chance. They were, you know, I don't know if Gary Patterson takes this chance if he has three running backs he really loves on campus. But we've talked about Zach before. My feelings on Zach, and this could change as he becomes an adult, but my feelings as him, you know, covering him as a teenager is his issues have always been about you know, immaturity and a lack of structure that hopefully he'll get in college. And, you know, not all of us are from the same background, and I have a hard time judging kids that are from harder ones than I was from, and, and he definitely was. And if he can figure out that football is his way uh, to get out, football is his way to be different and be special and go do all the things that he wants to do in life, I think he ends up being a really good player at TCU who buckles down and does what he's asked to do. Um, it's just a matter of Gary Patterson and that staff keeping him focused and, and keeping him on point. Because when he is, he was the best player in Texas high school football for the last year or two. So that is a big-time player and somebody that TCU will use right away as a freshman if he comes in ready to play. And I'd imagine, uh, you know, I think he's the first five-star recruit TCU's ever signed. And so, you know, he, he's, a, he's a big player that may end up even helping TCU kind of become a, a place for, you know, other talented players to want to go if he breaks out and has huge years. Who do you think makes a bigger impact right away, um, him or Bajan Robinson at Texas? It, it kind of seems like it may be Zach just because of just overall depth on the depth chart. Yeah, I mean, Texas has two really good running backs in Keontae Ingram and Rashawn Johnson. Uh, Sam Ellinger is also a good runner of the football, so – you know, I think this is probably 1A and 1B if we're talking about the best two players that sign with Big 12 uh, schools. They're the only two five-stars that sign with Big 12 schools. So both of them will play, and both of them will play a lot. But if you're asking me who's going to be kind of counted on more, yeah, it's going to be Zach. And it's not going to be because of talent. It's just going to be because that roster in Fort Worth needs him to be available right away. I think that's all the recruiting news we need to get to. But, Mike, before we get out of here, we're both kids of the 90s. I got to get your reaction to the last dance and what you thought of that uh, five-week experience over on ESPN. Uh, I loved it. You know, one of my favorite things about sports is how communal it is. And, you know, it seemed like none of us have had, you know, something to really, like, rally around and watch at the same time. And so, you know, it was really cool to kind of – See, everybody takes that in. And, what, and the other thing that I liked about it is everybody's from different generations. So you got, you know, the old guys who watch Larry and, and Magic and then watch Jordan really come up. Then you have guys like us who really only remember Jordan as the dominating winning machine. You know, I probably <coughs> – I think you're the same, but I was born in 1985. So my first real memory of, of Jordan is, you know, the dream team and, and already being kind of on top of the world. So it was cool to kind of go back – and see his struggle uh, to get there because for people like me, it just always felt like Jordan was the best. And so I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. I mean, other than the OJ documentary, I think it's one of the best things ESPN's, you know, done in a really long time. It was just, it was just a fun five weeks. I think I said this on Twitter the other day. Like, it was just a lot of nostalgia, a lot of just fun memories of me trying to, you know, remember when I was, you know, 10 and 12. Just – and Billings, Montana, and, uh, you know, trying to, you know, be like Mike and all that. And, you know, Mike, of course, is, is my goats. Um, 
I know, I know that's a Twitter debate for that, that gets had a lot. Um, I think the funniest thing I enjoy now is watching uh, a lot of these Texas coaches, uh, you know, sucking up to LeBron un- unnecessarily because they're trying to, you know, you know, woo these uh, 18-year-olds who, you know, think LeBron, <coughs> who think LeBron is their guy, which is always uh, kind of funny. But, you know, it's, it, was, it was fun. It was well done. I know there's probably some issues to be taken with it because, you know, Mike had a, a say in the production, but I I enjoyed the the hell out of it, and it was. Uh, I'm sad that there's now nothing to watch on Sundays except for Law and Order reruns. It's just it's it's fine by me. Yeah, it gave it gave us all something to kind of argue and talk about, and as much as that can be annoying, you know that's what we do for a living. And so that you know that's kind of it's kind of this fun thing, and you know the thing that really stuck out to me the most is the scores. You know, you watch the highlights, and it's like a finals game with. 88 to 79 it's just like mm-hmm. okay i can i'll admit jordan is the greatest of all time but i'd rather not go back to watching that kind of basketball so uh that was that was the other thing for me is yeah jordan is the greatest and i'm never going to say otherwise but basketball today is just so much more enjoyable to watch than it was at playing iso and giving the ball to a center and watching him dribble five times before he does it like a little turnaround hook shot i'm really glad that basketball is kind of moves beyond 93 to 79 final scores. And I'll, I'll say this uh, before we get out of here. You, you can appreciate everyone. You know, you, you can be a LeBron fan and appreciate Mike. You can think Mike's the goat and appreciate LeBron, Kobe, and all those guys have done. They're all great players, and they're all a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, sometimes with these arguments on Twitter, it just becomes silly how much people have to, you know, rip another player's greatness to boost their guy. Everyone, all those guys are incredible. And, you know, just because you like LeBron doesn't mean you need to say, you know, Mike couldn't be the, you know, sixth man on the Sacramento Kings. Just because you, you know, you know, root, for, root for Mike doesn't mean you that LeBron is the softest guy to ever play the game. They're both great players, and I've enjoyed them all. And I can't wait for LeBron's doc in the documentary in 20 years or whatever. Yeah, I'm, you know, the Kobe one's coming next, and I'm going to be pretty excited for that one. It, You know, to me, it's just revealed – the argument reveals kind of what people feel about the generations, you know. And I'm sure in 20 years I'll be telling people nobody's as good as LeBron was. And I think it's just that same thing. We romanticize the period of play that we, you know, grew up on. And I was a little too young to hero worship Michael Jordan other than just having posters on my wall. Now, I can't say I appreciate his whole career the same way I appreciate LeBron's just because I didn't get to see him in high school or in college or even early with the Bulls. So, you know, I think for us, you know, LeBron's kind of that guy. But like you said, it doesn't mean that Jordan would just be a six-man or none of those players could play. I mean, they're all – if they're in that conversation, they're all great. They would be great no matter what period of time they played. Yep. I think that's a good, uh, good way to end this podcast, uh, this football podcast, talking about – the greatest basketball players. But anyway, uh, you know, check out uh, hook'em.com for content throughout the week. Mike is still writing the line column every day throughout the week, which is a good look into recruiting. If you're needing to read during these uh, quarantine times, that's always a recommended uh, read on my list. So don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We do appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in whenever we do publish these podcasts and also tune in to Kirk and Sed's on Second Thought podcast, which publishes on Thursdays. The Longhorn Confidential podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. 
Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you later. Peace.